As Protestants and Catholics, we worship the same God, we just do it a little differently. For example, Protestants worship God in their Bible studies, fellowship, and spirit-filled services. And Catholics worship God in their beautiful cathedrals, liturgies, and sacred traditions. But that's no reason to behave like prideful little children in the Father's house, fighting over who God loves more, just because we think our way is the best way. For there is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, and there is no distinction between Protestants and Catholics. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are all God's children, but the enemy has us distracted and divided against ourselves. Meanwhile, he's destroying our families and robbing our children of their future. We must join forces. Let's stop talking about how we are different and start talking about how we are all the same in our struggles. We are all broken and we all need a savior named Jesus. We like this idea so much we created Broken Catholic, the number one podcast in the world for Protestants and Catholics. Now close your eyes and take a listen as everyday Christians reveal shocking before and after stories of how they resisted or cooperated with God's plan for their life and what happened next. Hi, this is Dr. Scott Hahn and you're listening to Joseph Warren with Broken Catholic. You're going to enjoy everything you hear. Are you a dad over 40? Are you overeating, overdrinking, or failing your family? Brother, if you're overweight, watching porn, or drinking more than once a week, then listen up. If you're struggling in your marriage or finances, you've lost your power as a man. What's even worse is that other men can smell weakness on you. When a man lacks confidence, he stinks of weakness. People could smell it on him a mile away. People and opportunities will avoid him because he's carrying a deadly disease called powerlessness. Remember back when you used to feel invincible, you were in your power, when you were unstoppable, back when you were the man? But how do you feel now, brother? Are you tired all the time, unmotivated, stressed, worried about the future? So what the heck changed? What happened to you? I'll tell you, you became undisciplined. You've been slipping for years, haven't you? You eat like crap, you half-ass your workouts, your health is slipping, your finances are slipping, your marriage is slipping... Your parenting is slipping. Your confidence is slipping. A pile of slips leads men to a big fall. How do I know? Because I'm you, brother. You are me. I am you. Brother, you're out of power. I'm in my power. Let me help you get your power back. Apply for our shredded father's brotherhood where husbands, dads, and businessmen over age 40 are getting shredded and staying ripped for life. Go to shreddedfathers.com. Limited spots are available. Brother, your wife and kids are waiting for you to step up and lead them. Brother, wake up. Move. Today, my featured guest is Rick Johnson, and you can find him at betterdads.net. Betterdads.net. Isn't that what you want to be, BC Nation? You want to be a better dad, right? For all my male listeners out there, and for all my female listeners out there, you want your husbands to be better dads, don't you? I know you want them to be better husbands too, but today we're going to talk about being better dads. And prior to becoming a best-selling author and speaker, Rick was a small business owner for 16 years. I love that. Business and faith. That's what I stand for. That's why I have two shows. Uh, and he owned and operated an environmental engineering firm 
Now, Rick has appeared on over 300 radio programs, so this is not his first rodeo, and television shows around the United States and Canada. He's been featured in many national publications, such as New Man Magazine, Crosswalk.com, Christianity.com, Christianity Today's Men of Integrity, Relevant Magazine, Pentecostal Evangelical, or Evangel, uh, Thriving Family, and Proverbs 31 Ministries Magazines. Woo! That's a lot. In 2001, uh, as a best-selling author and speaker, he founded Better Dads, based on the urgent need to empower men to lead and serve in their families and communities. Man, you get that families come first. You want to lead out in the world. You want to be successful out in the world. You want influence out in the world. Make sure you have it at home first. You are the spiritual leader of your home. God ordained it. It's not because you think so. It's because God said so. So we're going to talk about that today. Rick, welcome to Broken Catholic, my friend. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Hey, Joseph. How are you today? I'm blessed, brother. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a, a long uh, intro. <laughs> That's your life, man. <laughs> At least part of it. Yeah, that was like, God, you know, I, I kind of made a covenant when I started uh, our ministry. I made a covenant with God that it was his ministry and I'd just be available for whatever opportunities he put in my path. And I found out pretty quickly that's a pretty scary uh, proposition to make with God because he immediately started putting uh, things that were well beyond my vision uh, in front of me. And, um, and I was obligated to follow through on some of that stuff, things like... Um, going into maximum security prisons and, and talking to guys about um, being a better man and being a better dad and working with single moms on raising boys to become good men and all sorts of things like that, that uh, again, were, were well beyond my vision when I originally started better dads. Mm. You know, I agree with you. It's completely scary when you pray to God and say, God, give me something big. Give me something like, you know, I'm here you, for you. Use me. Right. Use me. Just make sure it's not this wussy little thing, you know, like I see some other people doing. Just, I don't want to be average. I want to do a Moses type of assignment, right? And then God gives you the big God-sized assignment. And what do we do? We curl up, curl up in fetal position and go, yeah, anything but that. Yeah. Not that. That is, puts a target on my back. Yeah. That means my reputation's on the line. That means I have to surrender my financial securities or comforts speak to us about that right well, did any of that apply to you absolutely it's interesting that you you bring that up i was just down in um southern california and i was talking to one of my nephews and he's just uh starting to go into ministry himself and he asked me uh what one character trait i thought was most important to um be involved in ministry and i told him courage I mean, absolutely, courage is the biggest thing because God's going to place things in your path that you're not expecting, um, things that you didn't anticipate, things that are way bigger than you are. And uh, if he's going to use you, he's going to put you in those situations. And you have to have the courage to step forward and do it. And I, I see a lot of guys that get opportunities sometimes, and um, I wonder if lack of courage doesn't keep, hold them back from being used mightily by God. Mm. That's such a big one, and I, I'm going to put myself on the hook here. But right now, I know God's calling me to speak across the country and, you know, be on stages and 
I just told you before we went live on the show, I'm doing a talk, you know, June 29th, Chattanooga, Iron Sharpens Iron, but that came to me. And God's been putting on my heart to reach out to churches, make some phone calls and make myself available. And I got to tell you, Rick, I've been procrastinating, making, <laughs> making excuses. Oh, I'm busy with this. I'm doing my, you know, spiritual coaching client business is growing. I'm doing my podcast. And like, I think there's a part of me that's scared there. Mm. What advice would you give to me? Because I know my listeners are wrestling with this right now. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think sometimes we just have to take that initial step. Um, and, and, you know, God opens doors, God closes doors. And, and, and I think one of the biggest challenges I've discovered in ministry over the years is that determining whether a door is closed or whether I'm just supposed to push on it a little bit harder to get it open. And, how do, uh, how do we know the difference? Exactly. And sometimes we waste a lot of time beating on doors that God's closed. And then other times we, instead of just taking the doorknob and turning it and walking in, um, we're a little bit scared to do that. So, You know why, Rick, I think it is, and I'm probably totally wrong here, but we're, we're used to instant gratification, right? So we walk into supermarkets and stores and the doors automatically open up, mm-hmm. right? We're used to automatic doors opening. Yeah. But in the spiritual realm, we actually, like God unlocks the doors, but he doesn't open them. And I, th- I think that's a Versailles. Like we have to reach out, take the doorknob, turn it and push just a little. And the door's been unlocked. Would you agree with that or would you push I back? I do, and that's a good point. I, I would also say in reference to your dilemma fascinating uh, <laughs> about coffee, you know, I, I think as, as men, we we definitely are are have genetically predisposed to not want rejection to not want to feel inadequate uh and you know you're putting yourself right in the line when you're picking up the phone and cold calling people telling them hey i'm a great speaker i'm coming speak at your church right Mm -hmm. and uh you know rejection i that's one of the biggest things in ministry i think is that um you know we get rejected a few times and pretty soon we're like yeah i'm not going to do that anymore because that hurts too much right And that's exactly what happened, Rick. I did this same exact strategy, if we're going to call it a strategy, um, last year. And others told told me, Joseph, the time God's timing wasn't there. So yeah, you grabbed the doorknob, but the door wasn't unlocked yet. Now the door's unlocked, but now you don't want to grab the doorknob because you got rejected or it just didn't play out. Yeah. It seemed like failure to me. Let me tell you a dirty little secret about- Please do. Discovered. Uh, I, I got to the point in uh, beginning early on in ministry where I just decided I wasn't going to chase churches. I was going to become successful at the work that God was having me do. And then churches would come to me much more effective strategy to be able to get your foot in the door with churches to have them come to you than to you to try to go to them because just to get past the gatekeeper is, is a mighty task at most churches. So so how'd you go about doing that? Not, not what? to mention the year it takes for them to make a decision on. <laughs> Thank you very much. Right? Like, like the, when I made those calls, I was received very well. I went and spoke yeah. with pastors in person and they're like, absolutely. This sounds great. You know, we're a few months out, but boom, never heard back from them. Exactly. Right. Nor did I follow up with them. So what does that even look like? Well, I just, I just went out and, you know, I just started doing ministry and I I didn't know what I was doing, but I started doing workshops for 
men, giving them tools for their toolbox, started doing workshops for single moms and raising boys, which exploded, by the way. That's such a huge ministry uh, around the country that, that is so needed. And um, you So know, what did that, that look like specifically? Those things become successful. You start speaking on big stages. People see you. They go back to their church. Then you've got a champion. They're like, hey, we've got to bring this guy in. This guy is awesome. Then, you're, then your foot's in the door. You don't have to worry about cold calling or anything like that. So what does that first step look like? Because I, I know right now my listener and myself are saying, well, like, how do I go about like doing a workshop? Do, do I put something on meetup and say, hey, anybody, you know, suffering with this or struggling with this, we're going to do a workshop. Like, how did you go about it? Yeah, well, you know, you find a really cheap venue and um, we wanted to reach people that were pre-believers. So we decided that we weren't going to hold them in churches. Because when I was a not a believer, there was no way I was going into church. I don't care if I, how bad I wanted to see the event. So we started doing them in schools, colleges, where we could get good, cheap rental venues. I've got starting out with my family is the ones that were helping. <laughs> Eventually got volunteers that came along and helped set things up. Um, but basically, it's just a guy going out there with a briefcase, <laughs> standing behind a mic and and talking about what God wants him to talk about to people. And, and you just keep going it, you know, you start out with very small crowds and, and eventually, um, you know, word gets around and, and uh, larger groups start showing up. And, and that's kind of how it happened for, for me. It was just a matter of perseverance, which I think is the second biggest character trait that we have to have in ministry behind courage is, is perseverance to stay the path and, and not get discouraged uh, from rejection and, and things like that. Mm. And if you've ever had to do a, do a workshop in front of five people, uh, <laughs> you, you know what rejection feels like. I have. Yeah, and we spoke about that off camera before we got on. We said we're standing for God transforming the life of one exactly. person today. And it might be that one out of five people standing on the other side of that mic for you, BC true. Nation. But in America, we tend to judge success by numbers. Yes, we do. But we can't do that in ministry. You absolutely cannot. Because like I, we talked about earlier, one, when you change one man's life, you not only change his family, generations in his family, but all the people they meet, you might change thousands, tens of thousands of people's lives just by changing one person's life. I, I mean, I'm a perfect example. My books and speaking have reached millions of people. And, um, you know, who am I? I'm, I'm nobody. I was, you know, I was nothing. And... Um, who knows, who knows how far that, that work that God has had me do is stretched. I mean, it's, it's incredible to me to even think about it. So. Do you ever wrestle with uh, whether or not you're having impact on people's lives? No, you know, I, I've been very blessed that God has uh, blessed me by allowing me to see the fruits of my labor very consistently. I get letters and emails all the time from people whose lives have been changed. Mm. And I think it's because God knows I'm not <laughs> courageous enough to, to continue uh, if he didn't give me that kind of, uh, you know, feedback and, and, and the fruit of my labor. So, um, or maybe lacking in faith. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe mm. that's what it is. So. Mm. That's, you know, thank you for sharing that. What would you say to, uh, you know, a listener right now that they're putting in the effort and they believe they're, God's calling them into ministry and they're, they're trying, but they're not seeing any fruit in their labors 
what would you say to them right now? Well, I would say again, perseverance. Um, I've been doing this 21 years and it's, you know, I, I love the quote by, by, uh, uh, John, um, oh gosh, I can't remember his last name. Great speaker. Anyway, he said, uh, I have a lot of young men come up to me all the time and tell me they want to do what I do, but they don't want to schlep books around in the trunk of their car for 20 years in order to do it. Right. And that's, you know, that's sometimes that's how it happens. It takes, takes a long time. And then I think part of being in ministry is God tests our, our metal and our perseverance to see if we're really serious or maybe worthy to be used uh, mm. before he opens up doors. And sometimes, again, maybe we're beating on the wrong doors. Mm. So if the we're real... fruits of our labor, maybe we need to, you know, be asking God, where is it you want me to go? You know, what is it you want me to do? And maybe it's just a little thing. I've, I've had little tweaks that were just all of a sudden, boom, doors started flying open. Can you share one example? Um, yeah. Well, again, um, you know, I was doing work. I really felt God had called me to do this ministry because, uh, you know, I asked God, how does one man make a difference in the world? How does he, the, the problems of the world are so huge. How does one person possibly make a difference? And God, I'm convinced, told me that one man, one father, especially fathers, were the key to everything because, you look at all the problems in our culture and most of them are directly or indirectly related to fatherlessness. And um, so I'm doing workshops for fathers and, and I had a, a, a school counselor approach me and he said, you know, Rick, we've got all these single moms they are raising boys. They have a lot of questions. Can you do something for us? And I'm like, no, I'm, you know, God called me to work with men. I'm not, you know, I don't want to talk to women or parenting or anything like that. I'm doing, you know, men work. Well, he kept calling me like every two weeks or a month or so. And finally, he said, Rick, it's easier to raise a boy than to fix a man. And I was like, oh, man. So I, you know, put together this workshop for these single moms. And it, like I said, it just exploded. I was getting calls all over the country, uh, radio shows. That's how my first book got published, which is a very big bestseller. And um you know, it really turned my whole ministry around. What it did is it funded my ability to be able to speak to men, which is what I was struggling with to begin with. And um, that allowed me to do it. But it was just a little tweak in what I was doing uh, that allowed all this other stuff to come to fruition. And you resisted it I initially. Resist it. That wasn't yeah. my vision, right? God's, God's trying to give me a path to be able to fund the work that I was called to do. And I was resistant to do it. Yeah. God, I don't think that's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> We're so audacious, aren't we? Um, thank you for sharing that example. Let's go back in time. Uh, we really want to hear about you and we'll keep it brief. We won't make a long thing out of it, but a little bit of witness talk here for, for my listeners. Um, you know, paint us a picture of your childhood real briefly. Um, raised with faith, not raised with faith, denomination, parents, um, and then, you know, how it got you to where you are today as far as your spiritual walk and God's presence in your life. Go ahead and do okay. that for us. Thanks. So, uh, yeah, I was born and uh, raised in an alcoholic family. Uh, mother and stepfather, both alcoholics, a very abusive environment, uh, physically, emotionally, psychologically. Uh, grew up Followed in the footsteps that were modeled for me. Got into alcohol, drugs, promiscuity, the whole, the whole thing. Um, 
<clears throat> met my wife, uh, which was a miracle that she married me. <clears throat> Not sure how I pulled that off, but um, <clears throat> definitely had to be God involved there somewhere. Um, finally, after, you know, many years of doing this kind of stuff, even after I was married, um, we decided to have kids and decided I didn't want to set that example. So kind of quit all the drugs and alcohol and all that stuff. Right. And decided to throw myself into society's legal narcotics, uh, which is starting a business and, um, <laughs> and became pretty successful, surprisingly enough. Um, and after, you know, 10, 12 years, uh, had everything our world tells you you should be happy and successful with, you know, money, cars, you know, the whole thing, kids, wife, and man, I was miserable. I mean, I was so stinking miserable. This is like, the more I accomplished, the less gratifying it was. And, and I can remember driving down the freeway, <clears throat> thinking if I just flicked the steering wheel into this telephone pole, you know, all this anger and anxiety and all this stuff would go away and, and it was really not being healed from my past it had a lot to do with it but um or being partially healed i guess you'd say and so you know i didn't want to leave that legacy for my kids so i i decided i needed to start looking at something so i i studied a bunch of different religions and um you know i was raised in a home that said that christianity was a crutch for weak people religion was a crutch for weak people and all christians were hypocrites and so, you know, I decided that I would, um, I didn't have a lot of friends. I had acquaintances, but I didn't really have friends, you know what I mean? Mm. And so I decided that I would look through at men throughout history, at their lives, to see what they had men I admired, to see what they had that made them special. And um, it was interesting. I studied all these men throughout history, great men, and the only th common denominator that they all had were they were all Christians, which was, you know, amazing to me. I mean, and so um, what I did is I decided to study the gospel for a year to try to disprove, because again, I, you know, I had all these assumptions, and um, after a year, I, I, you know, and I looked at, I was a scientist, okay, so I looked at it from archaeological, geological, I mean, you know, from a lot of different aspects other than an emotional kind of a, a thing. And uh, all these things kept coming up that proved everything in the Bible. And um, finally, after a year, I had to just accept that it was true. And, and at age 40, um, accepted Christ as my Savior. And uh, things changed a lot after that. Um, you know, my kids were eight and 10 at the time. And so they had a pre-God uh, dad and a, and a post-God dad. And, uh, I, you know, fortunately, I think God has um, blocked my memories of a lot of what kind of a father and husband I were before. And, um, but I'm sure my wife and kids remember. But um, so, yeah, you know, things happened a lot. Started a ministry after that. And um who would have ever thought I would be a writer and speaker? Certainly not me. That was not ever anything I ever aspired to do, but um, that was apparently God's plan for my life. And I'm pretty convinced that, that that was God's plan for my life all along. So mm. interesting. Thank you for sharing your story, your spiritual journey, your walk with God. And 
This is why I call the show Broken Catholic, because I believe we're all broken Catholics and God uses broken instruments to play beautiful music in this world, right? And uh, that's how we, we know it's God, because we're so broken, there's no way we could do it on our own. And everyone around us knows it. They're like, man, I remember when yeah. you, you were, you know, that guy. And uh, what an what a absolutely beautiful story. Now, you shared, um, you know, something where you studied the gospel, trying to disprove the gospels. And in trying to disprove them, you found evidence that of truth. And, but it took you a year and then eventually you just submitted, you surrendered, um, to that truth, uh, for my listeners out there that are constantly searching for more evidence, uh, that God is real or that God isn't real and enough is never enough. Somehow, uh, we run into that trap. How, how was that enough for you? How did you know it was enough evidence and you were just going to stop and submit and move forward? <clears throat> well, again, I kind of approached it more from a scientific perspective of, uh, and we're still seeing it today. I mean, um, but archeological, uh, you, you know, they're, they're finding anthropological evidence all the time that, that events in the Bible actually happened. Uh, things that we thought, no, that's not happened. There was never that city. All of a sudden they're uncovering these cities, uh, Dead Sea Scroll. I mean, you know, on and on, just a ton of different stuff. Um, you look at the evidence of, of the Bible itself. Um, you know, people are like, oh, well, it's, it's written by flawed men. Um, it's changed a lot over the years. Well, it hasn't changed a lot over the years. I mean, the Bible is, is we have, we have hundreds of of documents of portions of the Bible uh, from when very, very closely from when they were originally written and they have not changed throughout the years. Uh, all of these different examples, you know, we have thousands of copies of these old Bibles. We have like one copy of, you know, the Iliad, you know, and stuff like that. And yet we consider that stuff all to be, to be historically accurate. And we have much more evidence uh, that the Bible is historically accurate than, than we do any other historical documents. So, you know, just things like that. I mean, it, it just seemed like evidence kept piling up and piling up one upon another. And finally it was like, overwhelming it was like, okay, and I've been resisting this this whole time, but this is, this has to be true. I mean, this, this can't just be coincidence. So mm, thank you. For happened. Sure. And, yeah. and, and, you know, we talk about courage. I want to tell you at age 40, it took a lot of courage to, admit admit my sins to to god and and ask for forgiveness and to um and to ask him into my heart I, i'm not sure why that took so much courage but i remember at the time thinking how how afraid i was to do that and, and how long i had procrastinated before i actually did that hmm. and then of course once i did it it was just like this amazing wave of peace and forgiveness forgiveness that i'd never been able to forgive myself for so i see so many people uh suffering with that struggling with unforgiveness in their heart to themselves mm -hmm. for the things they've done i know really good christian men um that 
you know, had abortions or partook in abortions, um, you know, in their 20s. Now they're in their 40s, 50s, right? And they still have that bullet wound yep. uh, going on and the pain and the, they just can't get past it. They just can't forgive themselves for that. And, you know, they're trying to serve God fully in ministry and, but they're walking around with a bullet hole in them. And, and you know, I try my best to lean in and, and say, dude, you need to bring that to God. Right. Like, seriously. Like he wants to heal the bullet wound. There's still a bullet in there. You got to take the bullet out. It's infected, right? And it's holding you. It's blocking you. So, you know, Rick, really powerful. And I know you came on to speak about being better dads um, and what that looks like. And whether you know it or not, or see it right now or realize it, you did exactly that. And you did it super powerfully through your own uh, journey. So Mm -hmm. thank you for, for sharing that and the insecurities that come with it. Uh, for all my listeners out there that really resonate with your story mm. and say, man, that part, that's me right now. Or man, that part, that was me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still stuck here now. What what does the future look like? I'm scared of the future. And you spoke to that future. So if you're listening right now and you want that overwhelming healing and love and peace from God that he promises to each of his children, including you listening right now, that's exactly what's on the other side of that door. If you, if you grab the knob um, and it looks like it, it all starts with forgiveness, right? And, and allowing God to forgive you and then you forgiving yourself and then you going and asking for forgiveness for the people maybe you've wronged or hurt and then forgiving the people that have wronged and hurt you. And, and, and that's confronting, it's it's absolutely scary. I've done it myself. I resisted it. I didn't want to. It it sucked. It truly sucked. If I'm just being real about it, but it but it was temporary, right? It was it was a short term suck for a very long term payoff and reward. And I think that's what we all want. No pain, no gain, right? No pain, no gain, my friend. All right, so Rick, um, give us the three your top three spiritual tips strategies, <laughs> insights um, for being a better dad, wherever oh. we are in our, our spiritual journey right now. What do you got? What are the top okay. three practical, like something I can do today, this week? What does that look like, your top three? Well, I, you know, I think one of the things that we all struggle with, uh, unless we're, I, I, won't, I won't say that, but I think we, I, most men struggle with being spiritual leaders in their home. And when I speak at women's groups around the country, that's the number one thing that I hear is how do, how do I get my husband to be a better spiritual leader? Why won't my husband lead our family spiritually? Well, it's an overwhelming task. I mean, my wife came to Christ at five years old, right? I'm coming at 40. I know nothing about nothing, right? Um, but here's what I discovered is that, first of all, our wife and kids want to follow our leadership spiritually so bad that a little mustard seed and, and the, you know, my little mustard seed of faith is like, they, they, they took to it like ducks to water, like, like dry sponges soaking up. Right. I mean, and I didn't even know what I was doing, but the thing that I discovered that was the biggest thing I could do to lead my spiritual family was to pray, pray by myself, pray with them, 
pray before meals. I mean, that's not a big deal, right? Just to say grace before meals. Mm -hmm. That's really not a big deal. I don't, a lot of people don't do it. A lot of people, a lot of Christians don't do it that I see. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a huge thing. You know, that's, you're you're showing your kids, you're praying with them. Um, I have a friend that's a pastor that, you know, the, 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 the world, if you will, has this 50% divorce rate. I think within the church, it's a lot lower than that. But he, he found studies that showed that couples that pray consistently together every day have a 1% divorce rate. So if you want to improve your marriage, you want to divorce proof your marriage, pray with your wife every day together. Uh, it's amazing the change that makes in your relationship with your wife, even the relationship with your kids, because really good parenting is about having a good marriage, right? Yes. I mean, it really is. Um, and I tell men also all the time, being a good dad is not about being a good parent. It's about being a good man. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be a better dad, be a better man. Um, you know, improve yourself, develop character, strong character traits, um, those kinds of things. And uh, part of that is, again, talking to God. I call it the mechanics of faith. It's the things that we do even when we don't want to do. They're the little grind. It's like, it's like being a sports player in football. You do the same drills over and over and over again, and you hate them. And, but it's because when, when the big game comes and, and something is on the line that's really important, you react automatically. And so that's why it's important every day to pray, read your Bible, you know, do all those kinds of things that maybe we don't really want to do. And it's kind of a, feels like a grind sometimes, kind of mechanical sometimes. I pray to God sometimes and it's like, feels like mechanical. But again, those are, I think those are like the practice drills sometimes that we do so that when a tragedy comes into our life, which we all experience tragedies, we're equipped to be able to, to react automatically with muscle memory without even thinking about it and um, to be able to, to deal with those kinds of things that happen. Because mm, so our kids, our wife and kids, you know, it's not the little everyday things necessarily that they depend on. They depend on the time of crisis. And that's when we got to be the rock, when we got to be there, when they got to be able to depend on us. So men out there, as you're listening right now, your spiritual practice drills mm. are going to determine how you show up in the crisis of life. Mm. Those times when the storm hits, are you going to sail your family through it successfully? Huh. It all has to do with right now in this moment of you showing up, spending that quiet time with God. You know, they say, if you want to be good in your active life, then be good in your interior life, right? That's really what it comes down to. And you, you said it very well, Rick, you said to be a better dad, be a better man. Well, how do you be a better man? Well, go spend time with your creator, with your maker, let him form you, let him heal you. Right, be in his find word. Mentors, read the Bible, right? Yes, find mentors, read the Bible, and and you said pray with your family. And there's an old saying, I think, from the '60s or '70s. I don't know if it was uh, Fulton Sheen or or someone else that said, "The family that prays together stays together." Do you remember that one? I do, and you know, I heard this on the radio a few years ago, and it's so powerful. I, I, I tell it from stage a lot, but um, 
there was a, a, a girl and every night before when she went to bed, her dad would come into her bedroom and kneel down next to her bed and, and put his hand on her shoulder and pray out loud over her. Did it every night. Girl grew up, went away to college. She was back home for Christmas one year and she was sitting at the kitchen table talking to her mom and she said, uh, she said, daddy still prays for me every night, doesn't he? And her mom's like, well, yeah, how do you know that? And she said, because I can still see his kneel marks in the carpet next to my old bed. And I thought, wow, what kind of choices do you think that girl is making <laughs> away at college with a dad? And then and I asked people, I said, how many of you had a parent that prayed for you every day? And like one person out of 100 raises their hand. And I'm like, how do you think your life would have been different if you'd had a parent that did that? I mean, my life would have been hugely different, right? Mm. So, you know, it's a powerful, powerful thing. And I, I, we don't really think about it. We kind of take it for granted. But um, it's a super powerful thing. Thank you and for reminding. Thank you for reminding me of that, Rick. Um, my dad, Marine Corps, good dad. Um, made a lot of mistakes, though. Human, broken, just like the rest of us. And one thing he consistently did is he prayed over each of his six children every night aloud. Put his hand on our foreheads prayed over us um, still to this day and he'll send us a note, you know, whatever, three, four months, you know, go by and he'll be like, Hey, I just want you to know, I pray for you every night. I've never stopped since you were a little baby. Like wherever he is in the world, he prays for each of his six kids by name and he's never missed a day. Like that, that's a good dad, right? Yeah right there. And he may not get it all right, BC Nation, all the human stuff, but the spiritual stuff, he's doing it. He's doing the practice drills. You can do it too. Something as simple as that. Rick, thank you so much. We're speaking with Rick Johnson. You can find him at betterdads.net, betterdads.net. I know you love his story. You love what God's done in his life and you love how God is working through him right now in his ministry. So reach out to him, get involved, see if you can help, see what it looks like. Rick, we got uh, two, I believe, uh, spiritual strategies there. Pray with your family uh, publicly, right? Out loud. Make sure they see it. Um, and then to be a better dad, be a better man, right? So go pray alone and let God form you and, and heal you, et cetera. And then what's, what was your third, unless I missed it? Third spiritual strategy for being a better dad? Yes. Well, again, I think love your wife is, is oh, the best it. thing that you can do. I mean, uh, people have said, smarter people than me have said that. And um, I, I find it to be absolutely true. I, I, I think we can be not a very good parent and have a great marriage and our kids turn out really good as opposed to having a bad marriage and being a really good parent. Mm. <laughs> I'd take the good marriage. I absolutely love that you just brought that up as your third. I'm glad I asked it. And um, my closest buddy is a Marine Colonel and he's a badass in life, right? He's, he's at the top of the top, uh, runs the Marines on the ground, et cetera. And, um, you know, I was just asking him cause I'm going to be a dad in two months. Right. And, uh, congratulations. Thank you. Praise God. Welcome right? to the club. Huh? Welcome to the club, <laughs> the better dad's club. Um, so I, w- I was saying, Hey, what's your best, you know, father advice, dad advice. And he said, do this one thing, Joseph, and your kids will be raised, right? Your marriage will go right. One thing. 
He's like, this is what I do. And I've been doing it since my kids were little kids. And his kids now are adults and they're just the most honorable, respectful kids. Their lives are going well. You're just like, oh man, I want my kids to be like his kids, right? Uh-huh. So he's got that model. That's why I asked him. And, and he said, every day I got home from work, my kids would come running, daddy, daddy. And I say, no, your mother first. Uh-huh. And I always kiss their mom first. She got the first kiss and they uh-huh. saw that. And for my son's, that taught them how to treat women, how to be men. And for my daughters, it taught them how, what to expect as women and what to look for in men. That one action any man could do, love your wife publicly in your home. Put her first, yeah. Yeah, so that was so impactful to me. I'm like, if I get it all wrong, but I do that one thing right, I think we're going to be okay, Rick. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Isn't that great? Yes, I, yeah, that story. <laughs> you, you got it, buddy. You got it. And make sure that you get a book. That might be a book one day. Here. Well, there you go. Make sure you give him attribution <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and, and put in that he's a success in the eyes of the world as far as guys looking up to this guy. Yeah. But they don't know at home what he actually does, right? That really centers who he is as a man. And he's surrendered. He's a surrendered man to God. He answers to no other man. He's a badass, but he's surrendered. He's a surrendered son to his heavenly father. And it really shows. All right. So Rick, we, we ran out of time here. Really amazing, amazing conversation. Welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. Yeah. See what I did there. Um, I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. They're just for fun. Don't overthink them. Are you ready, sir? Okay, shoot. What's your favorite thing about God? His forgiveness. What's your least favorite thing? His uh, putting me in situations that I don't want to be in. (laughs) We're all human. We all struggle with something. What are you struggling with right now? Well, I am actually struggling a little bit with my relationship with God in the fact that we lost our son three years ago. Mm. And um, it's been a struggle. Um, I, I'm never, uh, that's longer than three seconds, but. There's grieving there this morning for sure. There is. There's, there's been anger. There's been a yes. lot of, uh, a lot of the human things and God's big enough to, you know, David cursed God and, yeah. and yelled at him and was angry a lot. And he was a man after God's own heart. So I think God exactly. So. so that's good. You had some raw, real, angry conversations with God and BC Nation. I encourage you if you're dealing with grief and hurts and wounds and why God, how did you allow this to happen? What kind of God are you? Make sure you say that to him. Bring it to him. Don't suppress it. Don't bury it. It's the worst thing. It's a disease. Don't do it. Uh, Rick, what are you most afraid of? Uh, failure. Hmm. Still. Still. Got still it. at my age, I'm still afraid of failing. Isn't that interesting? What did you spend way too much time doing in your 20s? Working. Working. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? Uh again, that he was a forgiving God, not an angry God. Mm. What's a new habit you want to form? Uh, I want to quit eating sugar. What's a bad habit you want to break? (laughs) Eating sugar. (laughs) It's more addicting than heroin, I think. (laughs) (laughs) 
for others, as you said, it's a, a, you know, success and money is, is the new addiction in the world. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Uh, calmer, more patient, um, better, better dad, I think. Yeah. That's a good mm. BC nation. If you want to be calmer, more patient and a better dad, Listen to Rick, take his advice. Get pick over it. <laughs> yeah, pick three words to describe who you were before you experienced God oh, in your heart. Uh, I was angry. Um, I was um, driven. Mm. And I was uh, focused on worldly success. <clears throat> and all of that, you told us, left you miserable. Mm-hmm. And last question, Rick, if you could come back to life after you died. Look your family, your friends in the eye. Give them only one piece of advice about life, eternity, everything. What would you say to them? Well, I'd apologize to them first um, and ask for forgiveness. Um, Hmm. As far as advice, you know, I'm finding as I get older that, again, relationships are really more important than anything else. And um, I would focus on instead of making money, I would focus on experiences, travel, going places, doing things together. Um, Cause that's really more important. Yeah. Worldly wealth versus spiritual wealth, right? Mm-hmm. And spiritual wealth, BC nation looks like relationship with God first relationship with your spouse, second, your kids, third, and then everyone else. That's the hierarchy of God. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about having a relationship with God versus not? Well, I don't know about having a relationship with God, but I would tell your listeners that as men and as fathers, they matter. They are so important, more important than they will ever know in the lives of their kids. That as men, people are watching them every minute of the day. People they don't even know are looking up to them, trying to see how a man lives their life. Uh, what it looks like to be a godly man. Um, they're, they're begging and hoping that somebody will give them an example that they can look up to and follow and, and that there's hope in this world. And so uh, we need to remember that we matter a lot because that's not a message that we hear every day. Mm, so true. And Rick, how does BC Nation get in touch with you if they so choose? Uh, again, our website at betterdads.net. Uh, you can email me at rick at betterdads.net. Um, those are the best ways to, uh, to get in touch. Mm, so good. And BC nation, uh, I invite you to, um, you know, go grab a, a freebie from me. I call it uh, 10 mindset shifts to unlock your first 100 K or next. And it's a free 10 day e-course for entrepreneurs. Um, and it's really the 10 business mistakes or emotional blind spots, um, that, you know, successful entrepreneurs like yourself and I, we miss. And they really impact us uh, spiritually, emotionally, our relationships. And if we don't address them, if you don't address these 10 common um, mindset shifts, what's going to happen is you're going to get all the money, you're going to get all the success, and you're going to go home miserable. Just like Rick did, just like I did when I got to the top. We don't want that for you. We want you to have both, okay? You can have both. So go get that. It's for free, josephwarren.net. You can download that now. And uh, Rick, thank you so much for being on Broken Catholic, my friend. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Thank you. You too, Joseph. Cheers. Are you a dad over 40? 
Are you overeating, overdrinking, or failing your family? Brother, if you're overweight, watching porn, or drinking more than once a week, then listen up. If you're struggling in your marriage or finances, you've lost your power as a man. What's even worse is that other men can smell weakness on you. When a man lacks confidence, he stinks of weakness. People could smell it on him a mile away. People and opportunities will avoid him because he's carrying a deadly disease called powerlessness. Remember back when you used to feel invincible, you were in your power, when you were unstoppable, back when you were the man? But how do you feel now, brother? Are you tired all the time, unmotivated, stressed, worried about the future? So what the heck changed? What happened to you? I'll tell you, you became undisciplined. You've been slipping for years, haven't you? You eat like crap, you half-ass your workouts, your health is slipping, your finances are slipping, your marriage is slipping, your parenting is slipping, your confidence is slipping. A pile of slips leads men to a big fall. How do I know? Because I'm you, brother. You are me, I am you. Brother, you're out of power. I'm in my power. Let me help you get your power back. Apply for our shredded father's brotherhood where husbands, dads, and businessmen over age 40 are getting shredded and staying ripped for life. Go to shreddedfathers.com. Limited spots are available. Brother, your wife and kids are waiting for you to step up and lead them. Brother, wake up. Move.